Your body is unique. So why would you settle for a weight loss plan that's one size fits all? Noom is the weight management program that takes into account your biology to build a custom plan just for you. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Welcome to the Canva guided meditation for stress at work. Impending deadline? Generate Canva presentations in seconds. So Brainstorm got too big. Summarize with AI in a click. Writer's block. Release with Canva Magic Write. Magical. Stress less and save time at canva.com. Designed for work. Hello, and welcome to Good One, a podcast about jokes. I'm your host, Jesse David Fox. Each episode, a guest comes on to play a clip of one of their jokes and then discusses how they wrote it and how it fits into what they're trying to do with their comedy. I hope you enjoyed last week's preview of my new Patreon podcast, The Specials. But this week, we're, we're back to a traditional episode. Uh, our guest is Bobby Moynihan, star of NBC's new Tina Fey and Robert Carlock sitcom, Mr. Mayor, and former Saturday Night Live cast member. Bobby getting cast on Saturday Night Live in 2008 was a bit of a, a light bulb moment for me in terms of watching the show. He was the first person that cast that I knew about beforehand. He was sort of like a mainstay of the of the New York comedy improv scene. And it's like the first time I really understood the sort of like minor league baseball, professional baseball-esque world in which Saturday Night Live operates in, where sort of people are bubbling up over in the system to eventually like get to play in the big leagues. And it immediately made me like 50 times more interested in the show. Like I can't explain it. Like truly I became fascinated. Like, and, and, and from that moment on Saturday Night Live became my favorite show to think about and talk about like each episode, whatever. But like literally the idea of SNL is like one of my favorite hobbies. Um, cause I'm very cool. Um, so I was so excited to talk to him. And, and honestly, it was the most fun. Like literally after their interview, I told my producer, I think that was the most fun I had in like my entire life. Bobby had a few breakout characters and, and sketches from his time on the show. So I, I was delightfully shocked when he suggested we talk about Janet Peckinpah, a character he he only did twice, plus one cut for time appearance that that eventually made it online. Uh, but I'd later learn he he tried to get her on like so many times. As his co-writer Brian Tucker told me, it's it's Bobby's comedy perfectly distilled. When you listen, you'll see it, it's it's stupid and and silly and like really sweet, but also a little dirtier than you'd expect, and then at times a lot dirtier than you could ever imagine getting on television. We'll start with Janet Peckinpah's debut, which aired in February 2012 for the Channing Tatum episode, Channing Tatum Plays Tom Brady. Later, we'll have a clip with Adam Levine as Adam Levine from January 2013. Uh, that rhymes. Uh, and Andrew Garfield as Andrew Garfield from May 2014. That does not rhyme. So here is Bobby Moynihan. 
Anything else, sir? No thanks, I gotta work tomorrow. Hey, are you Tom Brady? Yeah. Oh, man, yo, I'm, I'm glad my girl's not here. Like, you're like her one exception. Stop, stop, man, stop. Hey. Oh, shut your mouth! Tom Brady at Ruby Tuesdays? Hey, hey, hey. Hey, it's me! It's Janet Peckinpah! I'm just kidding, you don't know me. <laughs> what are you doing here? Aren't you doing the Super Bowl tomorrow? I couldn't sleep. I'm a little nervous before the big game. Oh, this is crazy! I'm a lucky gal! Tom, look. This is a special night, so uh, I'm just gonna put it all out there. I'm 46 years young. I'm 5'5 five five this way, this way, and this way. I'm, I'm basically a flesh cube. And uh, I know this is a little forward, but uh, why don't you throw one in me? I'm sorry. Throw, come on. throw what in you? Yeah, come on, just, just throw one in me, okay? You're a quarterback, okay? Oh, I get it. You're nervous. <laughs> hey, 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 bartender, bartender, hey, hey, hey. Yes, yes. All right. <laughs> Give me two shots of everything. You know what? Look, you seem like a lot of fun, but I'm, look, I'm married. Oh, that's married. right, to that model. Yeah. I can't compare there. I look like every bank teller in the world just squished together. No, stop. Look, you're very pretty. Oh, you please. Are. You'd hit me with a truck if it wasn't illegal. I would never do that. Oh, Tommy, that's so kind. Look at you. Come on, Tommy, take a chance. Throw one in me. I, you know, that's a nice offer, but I just... Oh, come on, who am I going to tell? My cat? Captain Corndog don't care. All he wants is five square meals and a good night's sleep between these boobs. He's a charmer, that one. You know what, Janet? One minute ago, I was ready to walk out of here and make love to my supermodel wife. Smart move. And get some rest before the Super Bowl. Mm. But now, I'm listening. Ooh, <laughs> well, I wasn't expecting that. Uh, let's see, what else could I tell you? Uh, I got two elbows in this arm and only one in the other one. Uh, uh -huh. uh, let's see, I'm an amateur inventor. I came up with this thing where I cut up a bunch of sham wows into weird shapes and call them sham what? I'm still with me. Ooh, uh, and let's see, I once swallowed an open safety pin but pooped out a closed one, that was weird. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I think I'm in. I'm in. You're in? Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Oh, boy, I wasn't expecting that. This feels wrong. Uh, I'm not gonna ruin another perfectly good marriage. Not after what I did to Russell Brand and Katy Perry. Uh, look, let's just be friends, okay? You wanna just get up on the bar and just dance like idiots? I'll take what I can get. Oh, come on. It's your funeral. Let's right. do this. All right. I think I'm gonna need a little help, Tommy. I haven't been up this high in a while. Yeah, there you go, Dan. It's feeling a little dizzy, Tom. Oh, good night. I had a great time that night, and I made a new friend in Tom Brady. The next day, the Patriots lost the Super Bowl by 68 points. You're welcome, New York. Go Giants! So I am here with uh, Bobby Moynihan. Thank you for joining me. Hey, how are you? 
I'm pretty good. Um, so I, I want to contextualize Janet uh, over the course of your run on the show because I think the timing is very significant. So I, I want to start with a question I, I've been asking recent guests who, who have worked on SNL. So like everyone who worked there, your story of how you got the job uh, is one you have to tell almost every single day of your life. And it's like completely repetition at this point. So uh, if you'll indulge me, I'd like you to tell your your how you got SNL story as fast as possible. I will time you. <laughs> the record is 39 seconds. I'll tell you when to start. Um, where is the clock? Are you ready? Ready, go. I always wanted to be on Saturday Night Live. I tried really hard to get there. I found Upright Citizens Brigade. I figured that if I stayed there, Amy Poehler got the show right before uh, I left. And then I was just like, I'm going to stay here and learn how to do comedy. I did. I met a bunch of people from SNL and I loved it. And then I got a couple meetings and I got. You got it? Yeah. So I like that you yada yada at all the other part. That's great. That's. That's a new strategy. <laughs> I didn't yada yada at all. That was really it. That was just as quick as I could say it. Yeah. I just left out a million details. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, now people know. No, it was a it was a 14 month nightmare. Yeah, but yeah. I'm glad it happened. <laughs> um, so um there's there's this thing where I feel like there a lot of people that work in SNL dream of one day working on SNL and then they start doing comedy. Or, you know, they do sketch or improv in New York, L.A., or Chicago, and then they try to act cool about SNL or like either because there's haters that generally surround those communities or they just want to like put themselves as sort of equals as SNL cast members instead of like, I don't want to seem like a fan. I want to seem like I'm a person who could possibly work there. But you seem to like maintain being a fan of SNL up until the point where you're auditioning. Like, I feel like I heard stories of like you would go... You never want, went to see the show, but you would, like, go to get autographs? I tried to get in. I used to, like, try and get into the show on that line of trying to get in. I never – I just never got in. Um, yeah, I was a huge fan of the show. I still am. I still yeah. am. I, I think I'm – I mean, like, you know, there are definitely people who have been on the show who have been fans of the show. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it, it definitely I, – I remember the, the, the overwhelming sense was uh, – the the Sunday after my first episode was like dread because it was like space camp. It was like, oh, well, that finally happened. But now it's like now it's the job, like the yeah, reality yeah. of it set in. And the, that one fantasy episode was the ha that first episode is the happiest I've ever been in my life. And yeah, then, you were you're in like that, every sketch that first episode, right? I almost like I, I, I think in my in my nine years there. It was one of the, the heaviest episodes I was ever in by by leaps and bounds was my first episode. So I want to talk about that first season. So it's 2008, 2009, which, of course, was an election year. I, I feel like I also know you're the only new cast member to start that day. Also, I believe. Right. Yeah. Because uh, Michaela uh, me and, 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 and Abby started like eight episodes after I did. And yeah. The only uh, the day I started was me and John Mulaney. John Mulaney yeah. was a writer. And then I feel like it also should note you were the first new male cast member they hired in three years. So like, so I, I'm setting this up to sort of, yeah. So I'm setting this up to sort of get a sense of, um, you had a role seemingly in that first season of like, you were the only featured player. We needed you. Can you talk about that first season, which you describe as space camp? What did that sort of mean <laughs> in practice? Um, looking back now with the hindsight of being, 
gone from there from a couple of years, the first year is like is si- silly to me. Like I feel silly about it. Like it's like it's it's it was. I had no idea what was going on. I had no idea what I had been just been handed. I had mm-hmm. no idea what was about to happen. I was just. I was playing. I was playing at SNL and and just hoping to please Lorne and and having just just going like that's Fred Armisen. <laughs> like like I was I was in complete complete you know I I mean it like Space Camp like I felt yeah. like Jake's put Jake's put Max in space like it felt like did you ever see that movie like I felt like oh there's a movie called Space Camp where a kid dreams to go to space camp and his little robot friend got it accidentally messes with the simulator and sends him to space and and he gets to and they they end up like a bunch of 13 year olds end up in space and they have to get back and they do oh. <laughs> um, but that's what it felt like that's what it, it it absolutely it was it was it still does I look back on it like it's it's insane. I just rewatched those Janet Peckinpah sketches for the first time in years, and I, I was laughing—not laughing because I thought they were funny, just laughing because I was like, I, "This is insane." Yeah, it's insane. It's all insane. So between <laughs> your first, no, I think it, so between your first season and then Janet, there seemed to be sort of a dip <laughs> that I would like to talk about to sort of like see your ascent through the ashes but it's either through your second season or your third season you've described it where it it just got harder mentally and also sort of doing it you know what was that how did it start do you have a sense of yeah was it, uh, yeah yeah it definitely like it became a after two years it definitely became a job and it was more about panic two years in it was like well i have officially run out of all my ideas that I have had, I, I and I'm still have to pitch to people, but now you've been there long enough and kind of, I think looking back, I was a good enough writer that I could write for myself. So it wasn't, but I definitely could have used the help, <laughs> but it, but it wasn't, uh, it was kind of like it wasn't like well Bobby's not you know we're not worried about Bobby it it felt a little bit like he could he can handle himself and I was like but I need help like you know it, I wasn't feeling that and it was definitely around the same time like Jay Farrow Paul and Taryn came in and it was yeah. like for two years you know I was the only new male on the cast so if Andy was like do I have to come in for that one line thing I was like I'll do it. Like, yeah. you know, or like, you know, like it was, I was still very eager. So then all of the, and, and, you know, that adds up, you know, that yeah. adds up on, on your time in the show for the week. So when Jay, Paul and Taryn came, it just, it just became that much harder, but it wasn't like I was mad at them. It was just a math. Yeah. So, you know, it wasn't like, like <laughs> it was yeah. just like, oh yeah, they, 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 get those parts and they should be. Yeah. I imagine it was hard on sort of both sides to both not get the benefit of starting with people, like starting with cast members and sort of having your crew and also then, then later having sort of those people come, but they're sort of taking the things that like, it's not just sort of, you're all in the, we're going to divide these up together in the same way as when it's a whole cast coming in at the same year. I wish I had come in with a couple people. Obviously, like I wish I had like siblings, like you know, like you know, like like Jay and all. Like they came in with four people, 
And also, like, I love John Mulaney. We, we should, but I knew him very well before we got the show. Mm-hmm. And there's always part of me that goes, oh, I wish, like, they had just thrown me in with a writer that I didn't know and we could have become a beautiful writing team. Like, <laughs> you know, but uh, it's it's all, in hindsight, There, every day I think of a million things I did wrong at that place and a million things I did right by accident. Did you in that third season? Did you feel like, pe- did you feel like people noticed you were having this time? Have you talked to people and they're like, "Yeah, we saw you're going through it," or do you feel like it was ultimately an internal thing? Like, did you feel like, or you, did then, you feel like your work, the work that you're doing, suffered? Uh, then it it all felt like, oh, woe is me. Like you know, it, it was everything. You know, yeah. then now I look back and I think it's hilarious because. It's like, I was like, I don't know if, if I'm on the show that week. And, and like, then you would see your friends and they were like, dude, you're, you're great. You killed it. And like, you know, it's like, no one cares. No one, yeah. no one who, was, who wasn't working in that building truly cared. <laughs> but it was just the fact that you spent 72 hours trying to work on this thing and then it got cut last second. And then your mm-hmm. brain, your, that happens to your brain 192 times in, in a couple of years. And you're like, okay. <laughs> it starts to change you. Yeah, so 2011, 2012, which felt like a lot of things happened in, in that season. Especially, do you did it feel like a lot of the anxiety you had season three by the time you're going to season four had settled enough that you were able to sort of be a bit more y- yourself? I'm guessing if it was season four, that was probably like my my worst time, like I, my or, or 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 at least my most confused mentally. Just, just meaning like, I re- like yeah, like halfway through my time at SNL, I just started going like, I don't know, like I think I just started going, I don't know, Janet. Uh, it was, it was the, yeah, like it, it, that, 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 that time, the the middle chunk of SNL, yeah, is 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 the most I've blocked out. I think that's why when I watched these Janets, I went like, what? What did I just say? What was I thinking? Like it's it's, but it's also I haven't even gotten into it yet. I was gonna say, but it's also secretly my favorite because of one singular, one second moment that happened at a table read with it, and that's and right. where Lauren right. Lauren laughed at the dirtiest joke possible, <laughs> and I was just like, well, that's it. That's all I have to do. <laughs> before we get to Jan, I want to ask one other thing before we get there because I feel like it's important for context. Which was so this so Janet is. February 2012, December 2011 is when Drunk Uncle premieres. Jeez. Wait, wait, wait. Say that one more time. So that's... So, so, so Janet is... So it's the same season. So it's season 37. Janet premieres in February two, 2012. And then three months earlier, Drunk Uncle premieres. So that's December 2011. So like, I think... Three months towards, earlier. Yeah, yeah. So okay. Christmas <laughs> of... Yeah, yeah. So like... So you... I feel like that... There's a few things about Drunk Uncle, especially if you watch back the first one. I know the last time you've watched the first Drunk Uncle back, but people, it's that thing that can sometimes happen with SNL where a character comes on that they do not know and the audience acts like they they already know it. Do you remember the feeling of doing Drunk Uncle in terms of how that felt and how did it feel like a certain amount of momentum came from doing it? 100%. Uh Drunk Uncle is 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 like the perfect storm of insanity. Meaning, like, 
I had worked on some, I think I've told this story, but like I, I had worked on something else, a different character, a suit salesman that I had mm. met buying a suit that I was like, this is the character that is going to, I'll, I'll be doing this for years. <laughs> and it, it bombed and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, it bombed. And, uh, at like five o'clock that morning for writing night, Colin was like, I got to do an update. Do you have anything? And we just started talking and we just, this drunk uncle thing. And I was, he's like, you know, what about that? And I was like, I, yeah, that sounds good. Like we, we, I had a list of characters that I had to, uh, submit when I first got the show and I put I just started making up names because I was like if I ever need these and I had put drunk uncle Mike like I don't know like I don't know why I just whatever you know Chris Gethard yeah uh I used to do a bit for specifically for Chris Gethard because I didn't really drink uh at at this point and so I would just go to the bar with Chris Gethard and pretend to be really drunk like a, a very drunk sad rapper who was just singing, let me clear my throat, but while crying. And, and it was just a bit I did to make him laugh. And that's yeah. kind of, I feel like that's where it started. was like just acting drunk, doing like weird things and making weird sounds to make Gethard laugh. Yeah. And when Colin came up with that, whatever, now I'm getting into that. But uh, it was just, it just happened so quickly. It was like we wrote it in an hour and then we did it. And then that week, I, I remember that specific one. And if you go back and watch it, like the wig is a little different. Mm -hmm. And I am maybe possibly the most calm and patient I have ever been on my nine years on that show. And I think that has a little bit to do with like, I did well on update. I think update was like where I did my best yeah. work and, and, and I had the confidence from doing Snooky for a little while. People really liked Snooky. I had done a couple updates and drunk uncle was just like, I didn't, it didn't, it wasn't the thing I was thinking about that week. So yeah. I didn't have a care in the world. So I just went out there and I just remember it was the drunk thing. So I just tried to realistically look drunk. And I remember like, looking at people in the audience like and staring at them like I used to do like you know to Gethard or UCB and just staring at and like I don't know you don't do that at SNL <laughs> like you know like I was it, it was just different and yeah. it felt different and it was very patient and then the second it hit every single one after that is bonkers <laughs> and they're not patient and they're all just super weird but but and that first you, one is different and did you did it give you a certain sort of confidence coming out of it I, I mean, I mean, I, I think the blind confidence of like, oh, I hope I get to do that again. The yeah. only time I had confidence was the second I rolled out <laughs> and the second I rolled back out. Like that was the only time I was super confident about it. And I don't even know if it was confidence. I was just really happy to be on yeah. Saturday Night Live knowing that people liked it. Yeah. <clears throat> but I would come out as drunk yeah. uncle and they would cheer. It would feel like... Oh, yay. Okay, you do want to see this. And then it was like, I would just get to play. In between season three and starting to do Janet, you start doing Comedy Bang Bang. And I believe, if I have the timing correct, when you sort of like do your big breakout Comedy Bang Bang, it was probably during either the winter break or the sort of break. And as during an SNL break, before, right before you do Janet. Did having a space like that help or did that influence you at all? Like what was having that sort of different area where you can really, really play um, influence sort of your your formation of sort of your comedic self. Um, 
Gosh, it's funny. Some, some, somebody, uh, I, 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 that, it's, it's also, it's so weird. I'm so bad with my timeline. It's very, I was such a nerd about SNL and could tell you anything, but ever since I got on it, like it, it's all disrupted, but <laughs> sure. it's very crazy to hear all that, that like that was the timing of it. Um, no, comedy bang bang. I I remember just going in with Scott and and Paul and and saying like they were like, "What do you have?" And I literally was just I had the name Forval, and they I said, "Why Forval?" And I said, "It was one less than Fival from the Mouse." And like that was the only joke. That was it. And like the whole stabbing thing, it was all like that was all silly. But I had that outlet with like UCB. Yeah, like, you know, like it, it wasn't. Crazy. Somebody recently said something to me or asked me a question. They were like, "Oh, your your SNL character, um, uh, 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 Forvo," and I was like, "Oh no, that's Comedy Bang Bang." And it's like it never. It, it, it was funny to me. Like I, it never, it never dawned on me that it was like too different. Like, it was just like, "Oh no, that, that's that dumb thing I do over there." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. So okay. So let's talk about Janet. It's the it's the first week in February to help you with the timeline. It's the first week in February. <laughs> Y'all are coming off a two-week break. Uh, Channing Tatum is the host. Um, so before I get into the details, where did the, the the idea of Janet first 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 start? What is the sort of kernel that she was born out of? Um, I had used the, when I was in college. I I saw a billboard that said. Janet Peckinpah. I don't even remember what it was. I just remember seeing a billboard with the name Janet Peckinpah on it. And, and I don't know why. I just thought it was a great name. And forever, whenever I did improv, I would just name people, uh, Mr. Peckinpah. It was just a, it was just one of those things, you know, it was just, I, I have no idea. It was just one of those silly things that happened. And, and I, I just, that was it. And I would, and I, I'm guessing now because of Drunk Uncle, maybe I had some goodwill. <laughs> and they were like, oh, no, 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 I'm a complete idiot. I I wrote this sketch. Yeah, I, I, I wrote this sketch with Brian Tucker and, 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 and John Solomon. And uh, the whole thing was based on... Uh, it was We did it originally, and this one didn't get on. It didn't air. It was with Helen Mirren. And I was Janet Peckinpah and Helen Mirren. We were two women running for PTA, mm-hmm. or the president of the PTA at a school. And Helen Mirren, like, finished this amazing speech. And then it was like, and now, you know, our other candidate for PTA president is Janet Peckinpah. And the whole joke was like, look, I know I'm not going to win. And and I think that's what it came from. Like, it was like I was just doing some joke with Tucker and I said, look, I know I'm a piece of shit. And it was just like, he thought it was funny that someone would just immediately be like, look, and be not on their side and explain how awful they were. And like, we just started talking about that. And, and it was a PTA sketch. And that was the joke was just a woman who didn't believe in herself at all. Really and confidently I don't know why. didn't believe in herself. <laughs> Very. And that was it. Very confidently didn't believe in herself. And, like, it almost got on, but it didn't. And, like, uh, it just didn't. You know, it, yeah. was, it, was, it was me in a dress being a weirdo. And that never got on. And, and I, I also think now I probably shouldn't ever do Janet again. <laughs> Definitely shouldn't. Um, but uh, it, it was just a weird thing. And then... I remember uh, for some reason, I think it was Mike O'Brien 
was like, why don't you, we were talking about Janet. What if Janet was like a swinger lady and we tried it with like that, with like her hitting on a guy and it didn't work. And Lauren was like, it has to be a celebrity. And Channing Tatum didn't want to play himself or something like that. So it was Mike O'Brien. I remember it was Mike O'Brien that said, you know, the Super Bowl's tomorrow. Why don't you just have him play Tom Brady? And that was it. And then it's just like, it's four o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, I don't care. Like, he meet, okay, he, Tom Brady's at a Ruby Tuesdays the night before the Super Bowl. <laughs> and he sleeps, and he sleeps with Janet Pegapal. And that's why they lose. And like, that was just like the weird conceit of it. And then it was just throwing in as, ma- as many self deprecating, dirty jokes as we could. And, and falling off the bar at the end, and I almost died on, yeah, on air. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's bonkers um, to think about it. It's insane. <laughs> I, I, I watched that sketch, especially the Andrew Garfield one that got cut for time, and I, I don't remember it. It's <laughs> so, ha- so let's go through the sort of the elements. Where did the voice then come from? <laughs> uh, it's... <laughs> I just, I never realized. It's its an impression of a, a relative. <laughs> it's an impression of a friend's relative <laughs> that I can't name. Um, and did you... But just it always talk like this, and everything was like, oh, I very got a roll. And it just made me laugh. It just made me laugh to talk like that. When do you have the voice, did you immediately know what she looked like? Um, no. Well, that was the thing. Like at first we, ju- I think it was like, they said a woman and I just said Janet Peckinpah cause I thought it was funny. It's just a funny name to say in my mind. And, uh, <laughs> and then I think that was, it was just like the minute we knew she was self deprecating. And I think it was Tucker who came up with, I'm five, five this way, this way, this way. I'm basically a flesh cube. And then it was just that. It was just how do we we can now spend the next three hours making these awful jokes and saying these awful things that this awful woman has done. But she's kind of great because <laughs> she don't care. Yeah, I, I talked to Brian a little bit about it earlier today, and he was saying, "Did you really? Yeah, yeah, that's amazing." <laughs> and he was like, he, "He even to him, and who's who's been on the show, who's on the show longer than you, he's still there. He's like, it is one of the sh- sketches." that he remembers being not necessarily the most jokes were able to come out of the idea of this. They just remembers how many jokes you guys were able to write. Hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of jokes that we didn't need. We could have done forever because she could just, she hated herself. (laughs) Um, Were you, what was your thinking about doing a sort of drag character or character in drag? I, you know, like obviously you had already done Snooky, but I feel like I didn't, it didn't, it didn't feel like, like it felt like people were doing a little bit less at that time in sort of comedy history. 100%. I think like at that point, Keenan had made like a very like yeah, clear yeah. thing that he was not going to do it anymore just because he had done it so much. But like, to be very honest, in hindsight, like it was a way to get on the show. Like, unfortunately, you know, it was like, put the guy in a way, you know, like I remember playing Rosie O'Donnell once and it was like, I, I like an impression and they were like, you're going to be Rosie. Like it just like, I ended up as Rosie O'Donnell. And now I'm like, I'm, I'm, I, I hate that. Like if I, if I could take one thing, well, there's a couple things, yeah. but, <laughs> but, uh, uh, that would definitely be one of them just cause it, it felt 
unnecessary. And yeah, now, yeah. now it was, it was just, but at the time it was just like, I'll do anything to get on the show. But for Janet, it didn't necessarily, it wasn't like, look, I'm a, like, isn't it hilarious that I'm dressed as a lady? It was just like, in my dumb, scared SNL stoned mind at the time, probably I was like, this is me. This is me. If I had to date, <laughs> Janet is just Bobby Moynihan as an older lady. And um, just, <laughs> I want, I want to follow up on something you said. Did you write high? Was there a time in the Tuesday night? You were like, let me see if I can think of new ideas. If I was high. I, I think I can say in the beginning, absolutely not. I was so terrified, but like, yeah, at some point, yeah, definitely. I was good <laughs> friends with I was good friends with Keenan. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Um, yeah, how when you're doing a character like that in general or on SNL, how deep in character are you? I mean, I don't think I'm. I don't think I'm like a. Excuse me for a moment. I need to. I need to get into character, but like, I kind of am. I guess like I definitely like. For Drunk Uncle, like, the first, like, three minutes, like, the the three minutes before I went on for Drunk Uncle, I definitely, like, stood over in a corner and kind of wobbled and pretended a little, you know? Like, I definitely did it more, but that was more just to kind of... But, like, Jan, Jan, I just I just watched Janet with yeah. the, all three of them, and, and my overwhelming sense when it was over was I have absolutely almost no recollection... Of of doing these sketches, I remember it fondly. I love her; it's one of my favorite things. Yeah. But the reality of it is, is just like it was such a weird time in my life. That, like th- that Andrew Garfield one is bonkers. Is bonkers. Yeah. And I also did that one with Drake, and it never aired. And then we did it with Andrew Garfield. Here we go. Hey, Andrew Garfield. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Enough of the chit chat, huh? Just throw one in me. Come on. I think it's time for Peter Parker to turn into Peter Porker. Whoa. <laughs> Janet, whoa, whoa, whoa. Slow down. Wait, Slow hey, down. Hey, 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 Mr. Bean. Come on. Why don't you pull out that little beef eater of yours and let me give it a couple tugs, huh? What do you say, old chap? Uh, I just don't know, Janet. You're incredible, but now that this is actually happening, I'm not sure that I can handle it. Can we just, can we just talk for a minute? Yeah, okay. Well, uh, how about you uh, tell me something about you then? Okay. Right? Okay, well... I was actually born in Los Angeles, but, oh, wow. but I was raised in Surrey. Wow. Yeah, I was born underground and raised in secret. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of Doctor Who. Oh, wow. I really like Dr. Lou. He's my gynecologist. I think I gave him PS, the PTSD pretty bad, though. Oh, and I, you know I used to be a gymnast? Oh, what a coincidence. I was once mistaken for Bella Caroli all the time. Now, you see, that's so interesting. Can you tell me more about you, Janet? Me? Whoa, okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, I used to strip under the name Spongebob Square Lady. Oh, okay. yeah, That was pretty weird. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, let's see. Once I got all the way from Baltimore to New Delhi in the wheel well of a plane, it did not make the news. Yeah, uh, Brian said you must see. have done six or seven times. You've yeah. either pitched it or went to air or... Um, I think like five or six. In the original one... Oh, no, 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 not the original one. The second one with Adam Levine at Dress... Fred was my husband, mm. and he was just sitting in the back of the room the whole time, putting a ship in a bottle. 
And he was like, isn't your husband going to be upset? And I was like, nah, he don't care. And Fred never said a word. And it just cut to Fred every once in a while, putting the ship in the bottle and not looking up. And that was my favorite joke. And Lauren was like, it's too depressing. <laughs> can you, can you, so are there, were there any other major changes that happened between Wednesday and air? Oh, I mean, all the time. Janet was a weird one because like, I feel like dirty stuff really didn't fly at SNL. Yeah, yeah. Really overtly dirty stuff. And some of the stuff that I said as Janet, like, I can't believe they let me say it on network television. Like, it just got through for some reason. Like, I remember we would put in really dirty jokes so that those would get cut and we wouldn't have to. And sometimes those would get in. And it was like, maybe I shouldn't say this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, Especially the Adam Levine. Yeah, one. yeah. There's a couple real zingers in that one. All right. Uh, and I'm just looking to settle down with like a nice girl. Well, then why don't you settle down on this puppy right here? Uh, <laughs> come on. Wow. It's just Janet. What is it about you that's just so diabetic? I was gonna say Ooh. irresistible. Ooh, getting the. Uh, shall we uh, retire to the boudoir? I hope. I hope Danny Glover doesn't make you uncomfortable. I'm a fan. And when Danny goes down, so do I. This is all happening so fast. Hey, 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 relax, okay? This is not my first time with a superstar. Oh, yeah? Really? Sure, yeah. I begged Tom Brady once, uh, Magic Johnson before, and uh, the giant from that Billy Crystal movie, My Giant, and the title is apt. Now let's get that big old ding-dong out and let me slap it around for a little while. Come on. I've been flicking my bean all day thinking about this. Also, the Adam Levine one, sorry, this is just a side note yeah. that popped in my head. Adam Levine one is, is one of the first times ever where I remember Lorne. It was the last sketch of the night, and Lorne just walked in, like, right before it happened. Like, ten seconds before we're about to go on, and he went, um, we need some time, maybe pick up some pace, maybe, maybe you know. Get, get through it and it was the first time and he was really kind of like yeah, he yeah. never kind of did that especially towards the end of the show and like i felt like instantly it it truly in the moment felt like he was like bobby i like this weird one so could you do it quick so the whole thing airs and like <laughs> i i have i have absolutely no idea if that's what he meant but yeah, it yeah. felt like it so i was extra jazzed and talking very fast in that adam <laughs> so you mentioned at table Lauren laughed at a joke that, <laughs> that you said? there was some joke. It was in the first one. It was in the very first one because that's what I think it's just what got it on. Yeah. I just said something awful about myself. Maybe it might've been the, you want to hear something? We, Oh no. I it, Was it? I pooped out. I swallowed an open safety pin and pooped out a closed one or some yeah. weird thing. I don't know if it's that one. I can't give it credit. But Lorne just, like, instantly started laughing, like, this beat red laughing that Lorne gets every once in a while, that when you see that laugh, you just go, like, oh, God, thank God, thank God, I, I made it here, and I did that to that man. And it was just some dirty Janet joke, and it just got him. And I just remember thinking, like, oh, yay, and I think he just had a weird soft spot for Janet. I, I think Janet was kind of like, I'll throw her in, and if we need to cut it, we'll cut Janet. But like, let's have her around just in case. <laughs> That's what it always felt like. <laughs> the that joke. Let's let's say it is that joke because it is. <laughs> a, my, I hope it's that joke that did it because it is. Um, I, it's I want it. I mean, it's it's like 
partly it's stupid or partly it's sort of like just really low brow and like <laughs> it was just know. about making tucker laugh me and tucker brian tucker and solomon were just two of the greatest guys and and two of the maybe two of the guys that guided me through through there as far as very nice being nice to me and kind of teaching me about writing and, and that being patient with me and that and that kind of stuff but uh yeah, I think that line, like just improvising with Brian, I don't remember if this one aired, but it was just Brian really liked talking in that voice, and I liked, so Brian just improvised. One time I went to a wedding, and I, I took a big bite of the, I took out a big bite of the cake, and I didn't want anybody to know, so I replaced it with wet toilet paper. And like it was just like these actual scenarios that Janet had been in that no one cared about except Janet. She hated it. <laughs> like there was something about like I once flew to from New Jersey to New Delhi in the wheel well of an airplane and it didn't make the news. Like it was just like, that was it. It was just like, how horrible can we make this woman's life? But she, you know what? She's still trucking along. Yeah, and, why yeah. not, and why not have sex with her also? <laughs> Because we're all just trying to have a good time. Like, <laughs> We're right back with more Bobby Moynihan. Most weight loss programs focus on restriction and inflexible routine, which is why most diets fail. But Noom isn't a diet. It's a weight management program that uses psychology and biology to help you develop healthy, sustainable habits. Noom believes that weight loss starts with the brain, and their daily lessons are tailored to help users understand the science behind food cravings and eating choices. Whether you want to lose weight, increase physical activity, meet a health goal, or simply change the way you think about food, Noom can help you build healthy habits while still enjoying your favorite foods. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Canva presents stories to keep you up at night. It was an ordinary work day until... The Singapore presentation is at 3 a.m. The office was shocked. That's when we sleep. Maya made it less scary with Canva. <laughs> I'll just record my presentation so Singapore can watch it anytime. Record and present anytime with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. And we're back with Bobby Moynihan. How do you feel about the, the word stupid? Like, what does that mean to you? I feel like different comedians... I feel like a lot of comedians do like it, but it obviously it is hypothetically pejorative. What does stupid mean to you? Um, and, and what do you like about it? Uh, it's, 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 it's funny. It's, it's probably a terror. It definitely is like a terrible word to use now, but it's just silly. Like the, 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 the part like Zach Galifianakis, one of the greatest comedians in the world. Like, you know, he sits on a chair, the leg breaks, it falls. <laughs> I'll watch it. I'll watch it every day for the rest of my life. I think, he, you know, like he's so silly, like he's just yeah. having a good time. And that's, that's it. Like, it's like, I watch Janet and I go, I have no idea what this was, but I know that for a couple hours in the middle of the night, I wasn't terrified. I was having a great time making yeah. up jokes and it, it showed because it, it, 
it made me happy and I had a good and like that was for me that's when I felt SNL was going the best yeah. was when I was having a good time and just went I don't care I'm on SNL the um the other joke I want to ask you about so you mentioned that the five foot this way five foot this way five foot this way this way and this way I just want to say quickly, I just want to say quickly, I love that we're talking about Janet Peckinpah right now. It's so silly. Me too. I was it's like, so I, I was like, I wonder, I, I mean, I mentioned before, but I was like, I can't imagine what to keep on talking about drunk uncle. I imagine. So it's like, <laughs> what is he going to pick? Well, and- it's funny. It's, it's weird now too, because like, to be honest, like talking about drunk uncle, I went like, God, it's weird. It's hard to justify that character especially yeah. now like the last one well, the last one i did was like the day trump was there and i did it and like i was making fun of him and the whole joke was like isn't it hilarious like you know like how stupid these dumb yeah. racist people are and he came up and shook my hand afterwards and was like thank you for saying all those great things and it was like now i look back at drunk uncle and i go you know maybe you know Oof, <laughs> you know it's it's not as funny as it used to be, but yeah, then again with Janet, Janet too. Yeah. Like I, I don't think I would do that now. I would definitely not do that now, out of respect. To <laughs> respect to who? Like- well, I, I mean, like just getting, you know, just to 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 play a woman now is is a very different thing. And I go mm-hmm. like it. I guess I guess it's not needed. I could play Janet in a different way if I wanted to. Yeah, and that and and that. It's 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 crazy to think about. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I imagine some of the stuff on SNL that I did. You now it just goes like, wow, can't do that. Shouldn't have done that. There is a bit of um, you don't you you. It's it's a thing that happens in comedy where you you can't necessarily know what people are laughing at, right? So it's like. I think there's a part of it, at least for clearly you love this person. Like to me, it's clear you love this person. And what is so interesting is sort of the contrast of both how instantly self-deprecating she is and how instantly confident she is. Like it's sort of like this is part of it and it's disarming and it, and you see how it works with these men. But like I imagine there might be people who are laughing at like, yeah, let's make fun of this lady for being these traits oh a thousand percent one of the biggest laughs in 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 the one with andrew garfield is when i start dancing and i'm in lingerie and the audience is laughing at how weird my body looks and so am i like (laughs) because i i think it looks weird when i do that in lingerie and there's there's also the part of me that now at 44 goes like uh you don't need to do that. <laughs> like it's like, but at the time I thought it was hilarious, and it is. I mean, yeah. like Andrew, Andrew started laughing. Like you know, like it's just like it is really. It's a very funny dance. It's a stupid. It was stupidity, and like the 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 audacity of mm-hmm. saying to a grown man, "Don't get a boner from looking at this," <laughs> is what made me laugh about it. But like, yeah, like it's like now I I go like. I don't need to do that. <laughs> well, the thing that I, I was wondering about, you know, the I don't remember which podcast, but on podcast you said, you know, it, um, if it wasn't for fat jokes, you wouldn't be on SNL. Like, like clearly, you're as a fan of the show, you know, there are types that Lauren likes. They're sort of comedic types in general. Like Lauren didn't invent the idea that, you know, this is a character where you mention her body in a way that maybe some other characters that's not as explicitly part of it. How you know? How do you feel about it? What did you or do you think about that? Expectations of sort of what when you are this role in SNL and what expectations people had of you. What 
you liked or didn't like about it, you know? Uh, it's a shame that it exists. Uh, it's, it's, it, it definitely existed, you know, like it, it, you get, you get typecast, but that that's in all of acting, not just yeah. SNL, but it definitely happened at SNL. And, and I think now it's, it's some of the moments where like something like that Beyonce sketch, where it was like the original idea was just like Keenan showed me that Beyonce video. And I just went like, Ooh, if I was a backup dancer in that leotard, like, mm-hmm. and when that, after it aired and where it got, you know, like, it was like, it wasn't a really about how I looked in that leotard at all. Mm-hmm. You know, it just kind of got me there. So hopefully some of it led to some good stuff, but then there were definitely some moments when I used it and to get on the show and maybe shouldn't have, or I don't know if, if I've ever said this publicly, but there was that, uh, Glenn thrush dude. I had to play that Glenn thrush mm-hmm. guy. He's like a, a reporter or some garbage. Yeah. Um, I didn't know, I didn't know he was a real person. I, I, this is terrible, but uh, cold open, you know, like we were playing, I just, this guy and in between dress and air, they were like, you have to go get your bald cap. And I was like, my bald cap, I'm just playing a reporter. And they were like, no, he's a real guy. And I was like, oh, I didn't, I did not know this. Looked at his couple of videos. He seemed like a pretty normal guy. I just did it. And like on Twitter or something, he's called me fat. Like he was just like, he was like, wow, I was on SNL, but he, I was played by the fact that like he just made a bunch of fat jokes. And I, I was like, who the heck is this guy? Yeah. And then like a day later, he called and asked for my autograph, an autographed picture. And I just never answered, but I never talked to the guy because I was just like, oh, that guy sucks. Yeah. But if you go and watch, I played him three more times and I keep getting fatter because I, I have more fat suits on. I just kept putting on more fat suits. Mm-hmm. But the the reality of that is like in my mind i was like that's gotcha thanks for being a troll asshole but then like i look back and i was like nobody noticed (laughs) no but they were so so that means somebody at home was like oh poppy's getting big (laughs) um i want also from the first i want to ask you about the first time you fall from the bar we obviously i assume you fell in paddock but it's a very how do you I am always interested in physical comedy, especially on SNL. How do you, where there's the camera setup is what the camera setup is. How do you how do you practice it? How do you do it? What was that one like? I'm gonna I'm gonna go as far as saying def, I definitely have a very huge memory of that one, which was like I was definitely a little cocky, and I was like, man, I got this. It's a pratfall. Like I'm just gonna fall, and kind of like breezed through it. And we had mats, but like. You know, on the day they make these this bar that's a breakaway bar and it's hand painted and they make three or four of them for the day and you practice it twice and you know and it was kinda like, you know, you, you put back in the back of your mind you you're always going, I'm not really doing this until I get on air because that's the only time it counts for the rest yeah. of history. Is what you especially four years deep. So I remember that one being like, if I don't nail this fall, I whatever. But and it's also there's like a freeze frame at the end of it, mm-hmm. and the way that the freeze frame is, I couldn't move. I had to stay on the ground because I, if I stood up, I would have been on camera, which was the first mistake because that, that decision I think is what causes it. If you watch the sketch, you see Channing Tatum and he looks genuinely frightened because I I went 
down. Like I threw myself 10 feet off the yeah. ground into a mat and I scared everybody in the studio, I think. But the whole thing was there's a voiceover that comes on with a graphic, but not in the studio. So in the studio, I'm just completely still. So everyone just assumed, oh my God, this poor woman just died. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, you can see on the look on his face, like he looks like, are you okay? And I'm totally fine. I remember giving him like a thumbs up and I remember that silence of while the, um, the voiceover was playing where I, I almost screamed at the end, I'm okay. Cause like, I wanted it to be funny, <laughs> like not, not scary. But I, I remember thinking, I'll, I'll, what if I scream, I'm okay. And I was like, Lord, don't kill me. But I totally, I totally should have. I totally should have. Um, it speaks to, you know, their, uh, you know, obviously in retrospect, this had to be the type of sketch it was where it's like a live sketch with another person. Did you, is, and also I think it was, bef it was sort of right in that window where you, where the show wasn't doing that many pre-tapes. It's before the sort of like pre-tape revolution that like really came a few years later. Mm -hmm. But what, in general, like as you, especially as you look back on it, what do you like about it being a... Um, not a weekend update. Like, what do you like about it being the type of sketch it was, where it was a live sketch with an audience, where you got to interact with a person like that? Um, it's 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 funny being out now a couple years and thinking back. It's like it's that. It's when I was on the show, it was the ones that hit. It was the ones that mourned, like you know, like Drunk Uncle or Snooky or Anthony Crispino or something that like you know people kind of latched onto. And now as I leave. It's like the Janet Peckinpahs, the, I did this character called Kirby, who was an astronaut who missed his kitty cat. Like those 10 to one slot kind of things where like, where I, I just liked the weirder things like yeah. that. There was a sketch that we did with Steve Buscemi. I don't know if it aired. I don't think it did, but we did it a couple times. I know we did it with Steve Buscemi once, um, where the whole joke was Abby Elliott was having a sleepover with a bunch of girls, and he was her dad. And I was a little girl who was being bullied by the rest of them sitting in the kitchen, and I just decided to hang out with her dad. And it was just like, so they're making fun of you? And I was like, yeah. And, like, I didn't change my voice much. <laughs> I had braces. Like, I had braces and, like, put some pajamas and he was just like, yeah, kids can be mean. And I was like, yeah. It's, and like we, and it was just this like normal – it was hilarious. And the girls kept coming in and being mean. And I was just this girl who got – I don't know. Maybe I think it's funny to beat up on myself. Yeah, I, I, but I think there's also <laughs> – well, two things. One, why do you think that is? Do you think, it, do you think it's funny? <laughs> um, I don't know. <laughs> now, after therapy um, – that that <laughs> no yeah I guess there is a tiny part of me that just thinks uh, the absurdity that line of like real and absurd mm -hmm. is now now especially now officially blurred and <laughs> and and it just really makes me laugh to play around in that I guess <laughs> yeah the other thing I was thinking when you're describing this I was like I wonder. I literally thought first, I wonder if Janet has seen Nanette. And then I was like, wait, well, Janet's not a person. <laughs> I was yeah. like, but there is, do you, do you have you well, seen Well, there Nanette? is, 
There is yes, a, a real so, so yeah. There is a real Janet Peckinpah. She was a newscaster in in Connecticut. Very different. That's what I found out on from the Billboard. It was an NBC. She was like a weather person, but then she's now on or was a congresswoman. Or she something. ran for Congress. Something. Yeah, yeah. Never had anything to do with that poor yeah. woman. I just love her name, and if she can hear this, if for some reason she ever hears this, I love you. <laughs> You're well, her name is going to be back in the news because of this episode. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she. Uh, there, I remember seeing an article where she said to a news reporter, and I feel bad about this, that she had to say this to another human being, uh, that she does not, in fact, have two elbows and one arm in real life. And I felt really bad about that. Um, <laughs> it is a live sketch. And the weird things as live sketches, which I think get underrated, which is, um, I think, tonally, you can do weird things pre-taped that you can't do live because you can control. But... There is something that I think certain cast members really like about what happens when you put you f- that tension of having an audience watch this. Like you can't hide, right? Pre-tape, you're not you're there, but you can't sense it. There's that moment where there's something about watching SNL, especially if you watch it live, where it's like you know Bobby's a person doing this, and you're hearing the audience. And there's that that's what's so exciting about doing a weird thing like this in front of people. I definitely got the sense when I was doing Janet. I was like, I would do a joke and it wouldn't land. Yeah. And I would go, I would go, I don't think that landed because the people in this studio are going, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> and not necessarily in a bad way, but it would just be like, it was so dense and so real and so like, not like, you know, like here's an SNL character, like, yeah, you know, yeah, with yeah. the with an, with an opening theme song and here's the three things they do weird. It was like, no, Janet's going to come out ask you to sleep with her, tell you why you shouldn't, <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then do it anyway. And then somehow physically hurt herself immensely or get trapped in some physical thing. <laughs> there was, the thing that happens is, well, it, it changes, right? So with Tom Brady, she says, sleep with me. He says, no. Then he says, yes. And then she goes, never mind. And then she did. <laughs> you don't want to do this. Because <laughs> she has a heart. Yeah, yeah. And then both Adam and Andrew... They're into it, and then she sort of talks. Like she, it's unclear if she actually wants to sleep with these people, if it's all a mind game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that seems about right. I think Janet doesn't know what she wants. I think that's <laughs> the other thing. The bigger, um, the thing that I was curious about is when you're doing a re- repeating a character, is like. You don't, there are certain beats, comedic beats you redo, right? So it's like the joke of I'm all X types of people squeezed together. Um, you do, do you do each time? Are there like, is, is it natural? Or you, like, do you actually be like, oh, what, is the, what is the Janet sketch? We have to recreate it. Like, how deliberate are people when you're recreating to sort of follow an outline? Um, yeah. I mean, like, it, it felt like the, the sketches that worked yeah. were the ones that, created their own outline after like while like while it was being created if that makes sense like with drunk uncle after the first one kind of hit it was like okay come out doing something weird slowly you know try to make sense slowly lose it yeah and there's definitely a moment where you start crying and then when seth asks you what's wrong you don't answer and you sing a song And then there's the section of, say, five things really quickly together. Like, it definitely became, 
you know, a formula like that. By the third drunk uncle, we had figured out that formula. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it had, it had fully formed. I remember with Riblet, like with Riblet, like Riblet was nothing. Like it was just, it was my friend from college called me up the night that Che started and was like, I think this guy sucks. I can do his job better than him. And I told Che that and I was just like, isn't that hilarious? And we just decided to write this character that like Che's buddy from high school who was like, I could do this. And I also just wanted to try and do update jokes. (laughs) But, like, that was kind of it. But for some reason at Dress, I said, it's not that horde. Like, and I just really laid into it. And it kind of made Che laugh. And then, like, now when people talk about that, like, they go, oh, you're going to lose your job. And I think that's hilarious because it's just, like, that was something that just I improvised a dress. Yeah. It made Che laugh, and we ended up doing it on the air. It was never part of it, but then yeah. that became like the main part of it. Yeah, I think also, you know, it's interesting when you think back at this time of SNL because it's like really the transition between you know, YouTube starts a few years before, so like the idea of a recurring character completely changes. Like, yeah, we, recurring characters only became update characters, like. In your tender, you like you show the transition out of that. Did you feel that? Yes, I remember. Uh, I remember Andy talking to Andy Sandberg in his office and saying, "Like, man, that that digital short was great." And he was like, "Yeah, they're gonna put it on this thing called YouTube. It's like a place." And I remember, being like, "What are you talking about?" And he was just like, "Yeah, we're we're gonna get stock in this thing called YouTube. Like, they're we're putting thing on YouTube." And I remember being like, "You got robbed!" Like, thinking like you got robbed, like yeah. <laughs> like by this weird thing. company, like you know. And now look at it, but uh, uh, yeah. And and then I I I remember like I think it was like Gilly, like Kristen doing Gilly. Like, I think, like, I physically overheard Lorne having the conversation, like, this is it. This is the last, like, you know, character that we'll see. Like, you know, because it was just like you, it was like Wayne's World, they did it, it was like 13 times. I forget what it was, but it was like over a certain amount of, you know, like in those two weeks that it wasn't on, you couldn't watch it a hundred times. And it was like, you would do a character and it was on, now it's like, you put it on Twitter and that's where people see the show as they watch <laughs> SNL on clips on Twitter. They're putting clips. When they started putting clips on during the show, I was like, this is a completely different show. Yeah, I would be, <laughs> I would be literally, it would be update. And I would be like, oh, I'm done for the show. And I would go on Twitter and watch the sketch I had just done and be like, oh, it came out all right. Yeah. Like it was, that was truly insane. I remember yeah. walking home, walking home through Times Square one night at like 105 and just a person looking at me and being like, what the, you were just on t-. And I was like, I just, yeah, I wasn't in the show that much. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about your last season briefly, which was uh, 2016, 2017, which was a big season for the show for a variety of reasons. Obviously that was the, the election year. At the time I wrote something um, about, despite the attention, the positive attention the show was getting, there seemed to be, um, it seemed to be, from what I was hearing, it was a very hard time to work on the show um, that season. That was a very frustrating time. It seemed like a combination of a few factors, which was there were fewer commercial breaks. So um, there was then more sketches, and it meant a ton of pre-taped sketches. And the cast was still 
relatively small compared to even now. And then, um, and though it didn't seem like a lot of the cast members were jealous that they didn't get to play Trump, like, or the big political roles, it did seem like a lot of the attention was on that stuff. So there wasn't the same, like, I'm doing my thing and people care about it. Um, so I guess the question is, um, what was that season like for you? Or, or especially looking back, what did it reveal about what you liked about working in that show? Sort of like, you know, you were pretty candid in interviews afterwards that it was not, it was a hard season even for you. And so, you know, what was it like, but also sort of what is a good, what did it affirm to you about what you did like being on the show? Because, uh, yeah. Uh, it was a weird season. We lost Taryn and Jay. I remember that being extremely hard. I remember that being like, just not as fun. Like I, I yeah. just wasn't having as much fun because my friends weren't there. And, 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 uh, I, I, but I, I, it's funny. I remember that last season, like the first episode, I got something on that I had been trying to get on for a while. It was the Margot Robbie episode. I got on this sketch that I had written about the librarian, but I, I thought that was a, a fun sketch. And like, I remember like, Oh, well, you know what? This is probably my last season, and this is a great way to start. And then, like, I also think it was, like, around Trump, like, the election, and, like, we didn't really know what was going on, and I think it was just the start of what now has become this nightmare. Maybe it was just that, but... Yeah. And then, like, a couple episodes in was uh, um, David Pumpkins, and, yeah. like... When I look back, like, David Pumpkins is the bright spot of that season, like, as far as, like, there are some seasons of SNL, like, the 40th and, like, the things where I'm just, like, so many amazing things happen. But the definitely now, you know, doing interviews right after you leave SNL and doing one about Janet Peckinpah three years later is a very different thing. I, I don't talk about SNL every day. I did yeah. for 10 years of my life. So this is bonkers. But, um... Thinking back about it now, especially my last year, uh, I had like a slow wind down mm. and like a and like a perfect ending for myself for like fifteen year old Bobby and like I can't for all the times I wish I could go back and go oh god I wish I had just shut my mouth and had fun or I wish I had not been scared and just whatever or I yeah I wish I had just not been so fearful and hid for those three seasons in my office like. But uh, uh, now I just look back and I go, oh, my last year, like, I, I, I really just spent the last, like, five shows just sitting there going, like, this is Saturday Night Live. Like, and, like, literally just soaking it all in and just going, like, wow, this was nuts. Um, what has it been like to be a, a former SNL cast member? The idea of a former SNL cast member? Um. In the beginning, it was terrifying. It was it was a weird thing. It realized how much your brain had changed because, like, a week later, like that Monday, like your brain just starts going, "Okay, like what yeah. what joke what joke are you going to tell Gwyneth Paltrow tonight at pitch?" And it's just like you don't have to do that anymore. Yeah. And or or like or also that itch of like, "Oh my God, my Uber driver is hilarious. I'm going to play him this weekend." Oh wait, I'm not on Saturday Night Live anymore. And like that definitely happened. Definitely was, I remember like the first summer back, they had started those uh, weekend update Thursdays, which they had done when I was on the show, yeah. but then they hadn't done for a while. 
And that was like the first thing that I saw coming back and I could not watch it. Like I was just like, I felt like it was like watching an ex-girlfriend have sex with somebody else. And now it's like, now I just find it entertaining. (laughs) Did you feel people being like, why are you Eddie Murphy? Like you've left SNL. Shouldn't you be Eddie Murphy? Shouldn't you be Adam Sandler right now? Um, The best part is uh, right now is I'm, I'm, I'm on a TV show that starts this week. Um, and I love seeing it. It's very nice to see people going like, oh, we're so happy Bobby's back. Like he was gone for so long or like stuff like, you know, like it's so good to see him back. And like I've been working consistently, but it's it's it really makes you realize like it's like SNL is this, you know, it's it's like the Yankees. Like it's like this thing that people know about, you know, and it's like. Like where have you been? I'm like I'm on Ducktales. You can watch Ducktales. It's a very it's very well written. Like <laughs> like I'm on a lot of cartoons. I'm working. I'm writing. Like there's a lot of stuff going on. But it's just it's crazy. It's all insane. I'm very happy, <laughs> and I, I'm glad that I am. I'm glad that it didn't break me because I loved it and I still you do. didn't. I, I do. I do want to ask you. Mentioned that you you needed to leave SNL to start being like you SNL sort of. You're like once I leave SNL, I can start being a person. And I, I've heard you phrase yeah. that, and I was like, "What does that? What does that mean? And what does SNL prevent you from being a person mean?" Well, I think maybe for me personally, that statement just meant there's definitely a before and after SNL yeah. in my life, and it and and as a child, I dreamed of being on that show, and and you know, you dream of doing something, and then it happens, and it's it's a pretty crazy thing, mm-hmm. and then that thing ends, and then there was a part of me that went well. So do I just die? Like, like, is it just like now? Like, and then there's part of you that goes, but me personally, in my journey, I went like, you fucking idiot. Like, you really didn't plan any of this out, huh? You just, yeah. you just hoped for the best and tried to, you know, met enough funny people and, and did that. And then afterwards, I kind of went like, oh boy, I have no idea. So I started yeah. a family, got happy. And then luckily, Tina Fey still thinks I'm funny. <laughs> you, I, I want to ask you about it because it feels like, You know, there's like the idea of being a part of SNL when you work there and it seems like the idea of SNL is a family or whatever. But then there's the sort of like you leave SNL and you then get part in those projects, which feels like the sort of larger idea of family. And, you know, you're in Kimmy Schmidt and then you did the that episode of Documentary Now and now you're on Mr. Mayor. Does what does it feel like that to be part of then the sort of SNL television universe? I've, I think I have worked consistently for the past three years since I have left Saturday Night Live, and I think you could count on a handful of those jobs that no Saturday Night Live people are in them. Yeah. Like, like it just, just kind of, you know, like it just, I did a cartoon, I asked 20 of my SNL friends to be in it. Like, it's just like it happened. Like, it, it, it's just this network of friends, but... But you also end up in things with them and, yeah. and work together. Like T- Tina's been Tina Fey put me in Sisters. She put me in Thirty Rock, and now she's put me in this Mr. Mayor. And like, I I I will be forever grateful to her almost more than Lauren Michaels because Lauren gave me the chance, you know. But Tina's continuing that yeah. chance, and 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 it's a it's a crazy thing. My my first episode was when Tina did Sarah Palin. I remember yeah. sitting there watching her, and then the other day we're talking on Zoom, and I'm just like, "What's happened? What has happened?" It's just wonderful. As, are you a type of person that when that happened, you're like, one day me and Tina are going to be friends. We're going to work together. No, I'm the opposite. I'm yeah, the one who I goes see. like, oh, I just texted Tina, so I have to act like a human being who is 
a normal human being and isn't still terrified. But I will say she may be one of the human beings who is best at making you feel comfortable. <laughs> she is the greatest. There, uh, I've been trying to think of a metaphor of what I imagine it's like to like be a part of a Tina Fey, Robert Carlock show as a comedian. Like what it's like to get a character written for you to get to say those jokes. And I, I imagined it being like getting your portrait painted by like a Dutch master or whatever, where they can like bring out your sort of true comedic beauty. What is it like to perform for them, for them to write for you? It's uh, it's crazy. I definitely, it was the same feeling. Uh, I, I, I got offered a sitcom uh, in between a sitcom that it got canceled. After SNL, I got offered mm -hmm. another sitcom. And, you know, after SNL is a very weird time. And I went like, I just had a baby. Maybe I should take this sitcom job. I just did a sitcom. I did, uh, you know, it did not go the way I thought it was going to go. Mm -hmm. So maybe I, but maybe, you know, maybe I should take this job for money. I have a family now. And I went, you know what? I'm not going to do it. And the next day I get a call saying, hey, do you want to do this like day thing on Kimmy Schmidt? And I was like, what? Yes. Like, of course. And Carlock was writing that episode. And when I got the script, it was like a one episode, one off thing. And I, I went in that day and came home to my wife. And I was like, I don't know how to explain what just happened. I feel kind of like the way I felt the first day I went to UCB and saw a UCB show where I went like, oh, yeah, like yeah. I could do that. I, I had been on 30 Rock, but and I had heard of Carlock, like the legend, of, you know, of him through SNL. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, as a, as a, as a writer there, but I had never worked with him and, and I kind of hit it off with him. And I came home that day going like, I've never wished I was on a television show more than Kimmy Schmidt. Like that was the, I feel like the way they write super dense mm -hmm. kind of stuff. I was just like, it's, it's hard and it's all over the place and you've got to watch it a couple times. And I love it. And it's kind of like Janet, like <laughs> in the sense of like, in the sense of it's absurd, but it's very grounded. Yeah, yeah. Um, even though Janet is nowhere near the quality of it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. well, maybe, maybe. maybe. Brian stuff. <laughs> <laughs> what do you feel like? Do you feel like you've... Does, does having it, especially when you are the lead of a show or one of the leads of the show, that having that focus paid on you, like you've learned about yourself as a comedian based on like how they write you? Um, well, yeah, I mean, like, it's definitely, um, I remember sitting down with Tina and her telling me, like, they're doing this show and, and they'd like, they wrote this part for me and they'd like me to play. And I was like, you know, you're like, what? Like, and every day that I go into work on Mr. Mayor, I go like, I cannot believe that I have a job in comedy where every single line, like 95% of the work is done for me already. Mm -hmm. Like it's already they know me. She knows me well. And and then there's like every third script, there's something that Jaden does where I'm like, all right, that feels a little too close to home. <laughs> but like, but to be to be very honest, like it's me. <laughs> I, I see it and it's just in the same way that Janet is me and Drunk Uncle is me. I am not a racist. <laughs> but like... When I'm drunk, I say dumb stuff. <laughs> uh, but you know, you know what I mean. Like yeah, it's, yeah. it's like it's every every single character on Mr. Mayor. Like I think that's people haven't seen it yet. I can't wait for people to see it because, um, 
it feels like characters you know already. Mm. And every single one of the people in the show is a, just a, a heightened, extremely heightened, silly version of themselves, and they are having fun playing it. Um, as we wrap up, I, I imagine, you know, it's hard to think of yourself outside of yourself, but you are a fan of SNL. You've read the books. Um, if you were watching it, what would you think about Bobby Moynihan's run on the show? Wow, that's interesting. Um, I, 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 I would like to think if I, where I put myself in my head is like, if I was lucky enough to be considered in the realm of like a Chris Parnell, I would be the happiest man alive because Chris Parnell, there's no difference between Chris Parnell and Phil Hartman to me. Like they're yeah. like they're they're equally as amazing and useful on that show. And when you're a fan of the show and you look at it like a baseball team, <laughs> kind of like I, I, I would be very I would be extremely happy. Uh I don't know, is that cocky to say? I think he's absolutely the best. <laughs> Just like I'm I'm extremely happy with where I ended up. I have a drunk uncle bobblehead and that makes me happy too. It's just so funny to say that because I was like, I said Chris Parnell when I was like, I was talking to my colleague Meg about asking you this question. I was like, I think of him as sort of like the Chris Parnell purse type tier of SNL people. So it was amazing uh, that you said that. It's, uh, it's weird to talk about SNL in that fan way when people start saying like, oh, the Chris Parnell tier. Like, it's like part yeah. of me wants to go fuck you and part of me wants to go like, mm, but my, my SNL terms, like, you know, like, yeah. it, it, and, and, and it's because, because, because how dare you? Like, you know, like yeah. how dare any of us say that? But like. It's, I mean, that's, 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 that's SNL. That's like what's. Yeah, what, that's what it is. It's like, that's what's, I imagine before you're on it, what's fun is to be like, oh, they're casting Jason to play this type of guy. Like. Oh, I still do. Do you do you not do? I mean, I still do my favorite who would be like my dream is that for the 50th season and I'm going to just throw this out there cuz I want it out in the universe is that for the 50th season they'll just do a full season of all-star cast. Cast members with a host but like David Spade, Melissa Villasenor, <laughs> Tim Kazarinski just do just Whoever gets written into the sketch from the entirety of S SNL gets SNL All-Stars. Or just do like a special, an yeah. SNL All-Stars special, like one night. Come on, that should happen. <laughs> <laughs> so that sound means it's time for our final segment. It's the laughing round. It's like a lightning round, but because this is a comedy show, it's called, it's called the laughing round. Dun, so... Dun, dun, dun. Told you I was going to do a sound effect. Now you got to leave it in. Yeah. Bobby said he was going to do a sound effect. Um, <laughs> they're shorter questions, but honestly, a lot of them are SNL questions. Um, do you have a favorite joke joke, like a street joke? Um, Probably not. I mean, what did the farmer say when he lost his tractor? What? Where's my tractor? Uh, it's the worst joke in the world, but it's still like as a child, it made me laugh. But uh, whenever somebody asked me that question, about like what's your favorite joke? The first thing I think of is uh, Jason Sudeikis used to do the um, 
the warm-ups in the studio, like, mm-hmm. you know, like at, at 11.15, he comes out, yeah, starts yeah. going, hey, everybody, this is the SNL band. And like, you know, he, and he had a lot of shtick that he did every week and it was always, he was great at it. But one time he told a joke and it like didn't get a laugh. It kind of bombed and Lenny Pickett behind him just let, went like, ha! Like kind of like laughed at him. And Jason was like, oh, you got a joke? And Lenny Pickett, without skipping a beat, just grabbed the mic and went, uh, <laughs> oh, wait, I don't want to screw it up. <laughs> he just grabbed, <laughs> he just grabs the mic and goes, well, why do musicians go on the road? Why? The whole audience goes, why? He goes, to visit their kids. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not, the, it just broke me. It was just that Lenny Pickett, like, annihilated in the SNL stage very, very quickly. It was, it, and it got a big laugh. It just made me laugh a great deal. Um, is there a, a sketch or character that you wish you could have had as stolen? Like it's, it was, everything's the same. No one knows you stole it, but essentially you got to live in a world where this character was yours or this sketch was one that you got to perform in. Oh my, that's, uh, I feel like that's a fantastic SNL question. That's never been phrased that way. Oh gosh. I mean, anything Farley did for some reason, the first thing that came to mind was the alien sketch with Deion Sanders with Farley, where his pants fell down, anything Farley did, but I would never do it. Yeah. If that makes sense. I would never do like, yeah. Cause you don't. Um, I've talked to you about David Pumpkins, whenever that was, is an oral history year. Afterwards, we've talked to you about Kings of Catchphrase comedy. So I wanted to ask you about other <laughs> sketches of yours that I've loved. Um, and just whatever you remember. And one that is one of my was when you and Cecily play the two people that who think they're going to get fired and then roast the entire staff. Tell me whatever you want about that sketch. <laughs> uh, Neil Casey uh, and I uh, were very good friends. Neil Casey, UCB guy. He was uh, in Ghostbusters. He's been in a bunch of stuff. Uh, um, uh, he got SNL. He was became a writer. We shared an office uh, for a bit, and we had known each other from UCB for years. And I, I think I just wanted to do something with Cecily, and like we just kind of started going back and forth about getting fired and yelling at people. And I remember it started where like me and Cecily were just <laughs> Cecily just came and, and just went, just walked in my room, went, "What are you writing this week, bitch?" And just like said it really close in my face. For no reason, and I feel like that's where it started, was just, like, being aggressive towards people for no reason. And then uh, Cecily said, my name's Dana, and Neil Casey said, your name is Nith. And I said, what? And he was like, like, Kenneth. And I just, and that, I, it was just like, that made us laugh. And then it became, like, it was kind of hard. Like, I remember Warren not loving those sketches because, oh, like... interesting. Um, because they were long, because in my mind, in my SNL fan mind, which I should have turned off sometimes, uh, I was like, this is me and Cecily's sketch with the entire cast, and every single person will get a good joke, because it's art, like, you know, it was very like that, and Lauren would be like, can you cut four people out of that sketch, and I would be like, no, it's the whole cast like you know and like now looking back i should have been like yeah yeah no sweat it'll be be funnier if it's shorter (laughs) it's so funny because in my head that's what lord would have liked about the sketch 
It's like, oh, good, it's the whole cast. <laughs> well, I, it's not that it was the whole cast. It's time. It was yeah. time. They, they, were, they were a solid five or six minutes every time, and they were fun. So, like, I remember the second one, like, Kevin Hart started, like, improvising and laughing, and, like, Tim Robinson was always the funniest part of everything. So it was, like, that, too, like, that's yeah. what I love about those sketches was uh, – his character, Tim's character. The the other sketch I want to quickly ask you about, which I think is a deep cut, but it's one of my favorite things you did in the show, which was One Magical Night, the Katy Perry sketch, where you play <laughs> yeah. two people who meet in a bar who instantly have everything in common. But I ain't got nothing if I ain't got love. First thing you need to know about me, I'm bad news. Trouble follows me everywhere. I'll take my chances. Favorite drink, go. Scotch, Scotch on, on the, the rocks. rocks. Nickname in high school, stupid, stupid idiot. idiot. Favorite Ghostbuster, Winston. Who's the boss? Mona. I feel like it's like such a, yeah. such a nice piece and like a different than a lot of the stuff you got to do on the show. Yeah, that was another me and Tucker thing. It also led to the most awkward moment of my life on that thing because... Uh, I was new on the show. It was a very weird sketch. And towards the end of it, Katy Perry goes like, and we don't kiss in this sketch. Like they have to kiss at the end. And I just remember looking around and being like, Did, I just want, I just want to like triple down. Like that was on camera. Like everyone heard that. Like, I just remember not wanting to be a creep and just being like, it was her idea. And like, and like that was, su- I was super nervous about that. But yeah, yeah, it was a big swing. I remember yeah. that. I remember Lauren liked it, but it was definitely different. It felt like a a piece, yes, rather than a sketch, uh, uh, which is something I noticed Lauren subtly would do. He would call something a piece when it wasn't necessarily the funniest thing in the world. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, but but to be honest, that one I would I would I would hold that in easily in the top ten of stuff I got to do on SNL just because of the feeling I had the second it ended. Yeah. Which was like the second that sketch ended, I went like, Hey, I think I wrote like a pretty cool sketch. Like that was fun. Like <laughs> there is a moment at the end. Cause you, you tip Jason and you smile yeah. at each other. And I'm like, you're really, this like, really I was, crazy. I was genuinely floating on the clouds in that moment. Um, so I was talking about you with Meg and she was like, we're talking about Ask Dan, and she's like, we should rank all the ways, all the times, all of Ask Dan's death. And I'm like, I should ask Bobby to rank all of his deaths. And I can't imagine you remember them. They're all pretty similar, but I will run through them and see if you could rank his deaths, or at least pick your favorite of them. So the first one is Crunkmas Cr- Carnival. Uh, they're going to have Ask Dan has a wake, but you pop up and you say, you're still alive. And you're like, I'm going to live forever, but they cut off and then it says you're dead. Then in Crunk Ass Easter Festival, you um, you say check the tomb on the third day, as if you're gonna rise, and then you go you know, and then it's uh, cuts off that when you say you're gonna live forever. Yeah. Then in Columbus Day Ass Blast, you say you know I'm still alive. Then you go you th- I think I'm having a heart attack. Then you say, like, oh, no, right. no, no, it passed. Okay. And, then, and then you go I'm gonna live forever, and then you die in the middle of that. <laughs> Uh, oh, it, sorry. The first one is in the parody of Miracles. You say, ask Dan. It, it's the first time you say, I'm going to live forever. And then, and then, then the last uh, one is, yeah. and then the last one is, Donkey, pu- Donkey Punch the Ballot. Ask Dan is finally reunited with his twin, <laughs> but Dave. 
as there as uh, <laughs> and then Astan goes, "There's something I've always wanted to ask you, <laughs> ask you," and then he dies, and then Butt goes, "Ass." <laughs> And then it goes, there's, there's something thank wrong you, with my brother. Thank you for calling him butt. There's something <laughs> wrong with my brother, and then it cuts off, and then he dies. That's right. I'm going to say Butt Dave was definitely the best. Also, a piece of trivia, Butt Dave was originally Jeff Bridges. <laughs> but Jeff Bridges did not show up for the taping, so I had to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Jeff Bridges was hosting that week, I think, and he was going to play Butt Dave, and then he didn't. And then I think we ended up doing it. Like, they ended up showing it. Like, it got cut. Mm -hmm. So they ended up showing it, like, on the Ben Stiller episode or something, and I'm, I end up playing Butt Dave. Oh, interesting. Maybe? Oh, because it was the – yeah, it was yeah. the uh... – The original Under Underground aired, like – didn't air, but it was, like, on, like – Four or five shows before it finally aired, I think. And the first time they did it, it was Jason and January Jones, not Nassim. Wow. She, yeah. how, that's unbelievable. She is. Yeah. That's. Yeah. That's little, yeah, she's Little Blaster. <laughs> she's little, she is Little Blaster. Um, all right, two more. <laughs> this is going too much, but this is very fun for me. Um, do you have a comedy crush, a, a person whose comedy you have a crush on? Um. I mean, yeah, millions, but, like, when you said that, like, I think I just realized recently how much uh, Jack Black has mm. has uh, has really entertained me my entire life and how supremely talented he is. Um, Zach Galifianakis, also, Live at the Purple Onion is something I throw on all the time. Um, Maya Rudolph and Fred Armisen together. <laughs> um that's great. All right. Last question is, do you have a sketch that you thought was really, really funny that either made it to dress or didn't make it to dress or, or got cut at some point that you thought was funny and either the audience did it or the show didn't, but you'll go to your grave being like, that was funny. Everyone was wrong. This is the funniest thing that I did. I definitely had more things get cut that I was like, oh, that one-off thing that I wrote that I really loved, I wish I had gotten that on, but because of the timing or like, mm. I remember writing some, or like Seth wrote something for the Lost finale that like we could have only done then and like that didn't get on and that'll kill me forever. Do just because I was what, a fan. what the beats of that were? Um, it was, it, it wasn't like anything insane. Um, uh, it was Alec Baldwin was hosting. It was the week. Uh, it was the week Lost was ending, and the yeah. whole joke was I was Hurley, and the rest of the cast were people from Lost. And the whole joke was just Alec Baldwin came out of the bushes in a tiki thing with like tiki drinks. It was just like I got a whole like village built back here, and it was just Alec Baldwin being Alec Baldwin. Sure, it was very. It was very funny. I just wanted. I loved those sketches where you got to be part of a universe that you you love. Although I will say, Seth wrote something. Seth wrote a sketch for when Mike Myers hosted. It was a cold open that was maybe like the most SNL-y thing ever. And it didn't get made and it, it kills me to this day. It was when Inception came out mm -hmm. and when Mike Myers hosted, it was essentially like Wayne and Garth in an, in, it started with like Wayne and Garth in the van, like Inception, yeah. like in slow motion. And it just went through all this crazy SNL character stuff, 
but the slow motion shot of them was just Wayne's World, and it was all these old SNL characters, and then the big reveal at the end was that Toonsis was driving the van, and like it was just one of those, like it was just one of those, like my like if me and you, like SNL fans, yeah. would have been like. No, like you know, would have been like, oh my god, that was the greatest thing that ever I, happened. But it sounds, didn't. It didn't. That's a, that really. I'm so bummed. I'm happy now. That is now out in the world. That at least he had that idea. It was so cool. I I think like I would try and do that a lot, and it was it it did not. I feel like it was frowned upon. <laughs> um, uh, I remember writing like when Seth left. I tried to write like a really beautiful thing where uh, Seth said goodnight and drunk uncle came over to him and gave him a drink. And we walked to the edge of the uh, um, weekend update table and there was a door and I opened it and it was snowing (laughs) and we stepped outside and it was cold. And there was another door that just said weekend update pub. And we opened that door and it was all the Weekend Update characters sitting in the bar, and Seth came in, and everybody clapped and cheers him, like, and it cut around, like, and like I wrote stuff like that, like, fantasy SNL sketches while I was sitting in my office at four in the morning going, like, there's the Christmas tree, I'm on SNL, and Lauren would be like, no, I don't think so. <laughs> that, is, that is perfect. Uh, yeah. Thank you so much. This is so good. <laughs> You're welcome. I could literally, I was like, oh, what about this? Like, talk about <laughs> the, I just, the sketch I rewatch so often is the, when you play the teenage Sopranos. Oh, that too. Like, that's my biggest gift that Seth ever gave me. Uh, Seth, the only time at SNL, the only time Seth pitched that idea, and I don't think he was going to write it. I think it was just like a one, I don't know if he was, yeah. but it was the only time ever I hate doing impressions. I ran over to Seth and I was like, if you write that, please give me the chance to play that part. I will practice forever. And I love that sketch. It's so good. Um, all right. The end. This was so good. Thank you. Thank you so, so much. <laughs> thank you, man. What a bless. That's it for another episode of Good One. Mr. Mayor airs on NBC Thursday nights. Saturday Night Live airs on NBC Saturday nights. Follow Bobby on social media at Baby Moynihan. Good One is produced by myself, Jelani Carter, Anna Rosen, and Camila Salazar. Gotham Shigashin did our theme song. Write a review and rate the show on Apple Podcasts. Five stars, please. Email any comments, questions, or laughing around suggestions to goodonepodcast at gmail.com or tweet at us at goodonepodcast. I'm Jesse David Fox, and you can follow me at Jesse David Fox. Good One is a production of Vulture and the Box Media Podcast Network. We'll be back next week. Have a good one. Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called writer's block. It strikes when I'm at work. That's why I choose Canva Magic Write. It works fast, generating texts in seconds. Thanks to AI. Common side effects include increased productivity, compliments from coworkers, feelings of satisfaction. Now I can say bye-bye to writer's block. Ask your boss if Canva Magirite is right for you at canva.com, designed for work. Canva. Why do you run? Why does anyone? I always thought that runners loved running, and that's not the case. Most runners hate running, <laughs> but they choose to do it. In the new docu-series, Running Socks, brought to you by Team Milk, 
Abby Ayers learns why women runners everywhere are driven to go the distance. It really is about taking my power back and proving myself wrong. Team Milk is about fueling women's performance and helping them along their marathon journeys. You can sign up now for the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon taking place in Savannah, Georgia on November 16th, 2024. Learn more and register at everywomansmarathon.com.